Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A paralytic is brought to Jesus by some people who cared for him. Since the man is unable to walk, he must depend on the mercy of others. He was brought to Jesus because they wanted Jesus to heal this lame man. And that way he could be independent. He could care for himself. He could perhaps get a job and live a somewhat normal life. Perhaps upon being healed, he had intended to give thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ, to praise him for having received such a marvelous blessing, and to bear witness of Jesus for healing him. But instead of healing the man immediately, Jesus says and does something different. He does something else first. He says to this man, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus says these words to the paralytic because he saw the faith of this paralytic man along with the faith of the people who brought the paralytic to Jesus. He saw that they are Christians who trust in him, Jesus, as their Savior. And so Jesus offers them the true blessing for his coming. You see, Jesus, when he came, was born of the Virgin some 2,000 years ago, conducted his public ministry. The true purpose was not to simply heal some people in order to prove how simply stunning and amazing he is. But he came for a greater purpose. He came to reconcile sinners to God by earning for sinners complete and full forgiveness. This forgiveness was not free or cheap. Jesus obtained it. He earned it through the shedding of his innocent blood as he died on the cross on behalf of sinners, bearing the sins of all people in his body. And so the forgiveness that Jesus would earn for all on the cross, Jesus now pronounces to this paralytic. He blesses this paralytic by telling him that his sins are forgiven. And then the lawyers, those who thought that they knew the law so well, figure that Jesus is blaspheming. They figure that Jesus is speaking wrongly because they figure that only God can forgive sins and no man on earth has the authority to forgive sins. But to prove that Jesus certainly has authority on earth to forgive sins, he proves to his scoffers that he can do it by healing the lame man. This false belief that only God can forgive sins has continued on to this day. Yes, forgiveness always originates with God. For Jesus alone is the one who died on behalf of the sins of the entire world, on behalf of sinners. 
And yes, salvation is only granted through Jesus. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he breathed on his disciples and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What Jesus did as he institutes the office of the public ministry there is he gives the authority to forgive sins to men. That this forgiveness is administered by Christ's ministers through his church. Yet, many churches talk about forgiveness received by faith, but don't actually pronounce forgiveness. Many Protestants say our Lutheran practice of confessing our sin and receiving the absolution is too Catholic. They take offense at a man declaring forgiveness to sinners. I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in their offense over these words, they deny poor, troubled consciences the very consolation that Christ seeks to administer through his church. Instead of declaring that forgiveness is, that is sorely needed, Many of these Protestants tell sinners to search within to obtain answers and to take comfort in their obedience to Christ. Denying sinners who are alarmed of their sin the comforting words of the absolution is murderous to souls. Instead of consoling an accused conscience with the confident declaration, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you, he is told they have no authority to say such things. They say that he must believe and then he'll have it. And then the accused soul will question if he believes enough, if he's sincere enough, or if God could ever forgive him. But when the absolution is declared in accordance to our Lord's teaching, troubled consciences can hear with their own ears the very voice of God which comes to them through the lowly minister whom God has sent, their pastor. They hear that their sins are truly forgiven them, and then they can be confident that this is as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with him himself. Now let's return back to our gospel lesson and consider three ways that this account could have gone. Of course, we know what actually happens. Jesus first declares that he is forgiven, and then he heals this man. So he gives to this man two wonderful blessings. But what if it didn't quite work out this way? How should we handle it? How would they handle it? How would you handle it if you were in their shoes? First, how, would you, how do you think that they would react? Should Jesus have just simply sent them home forgiven without actually healing this paralytic? How would you take it? Or how would you think they would? Would they leave with great cheer, praising and thanking God because he went home forgiven? 
would they say, we are so blessed. We got to be in the presence of the Son of God today. He actually acknowledged us and he forgave the paralytic. Or would they be disappointed because he only forgave them and didn't actually give to them what they came for, which was healing? Would they say, we asked for the amazing gift of walking, but all our friend got was this lousy word that he's forgiven? It kind of reminds me of those t-shirts that say, my parents went to Hawaii and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Implied, of course, is that t-shirts are somehow lousy. How lousy would a t-shirt be if a person's house burned down last night and he lost everything except for that t-shirt? How, lo- how lousy would a t-shirt be to a person in abject poverty due to war or famine and struggle to find any type of clothing? My point really is this, we should be thankful for whatever blessings our Lord chooses to send, especially because he has chosen to bestow upon us the forgiveness of all of our sin. So often we want to compare the blessings that we have received with the blessings that others have received. Whether those blessings are great or small, amazing or simple, whether they're miraculous or common, it is for us to give thanks. And even if the Lord should send affliction or hardship, we can still return to our Lord thanks. For we know, having been forgiven, we still belong to him. We know who we are in Christ. Remember the Lord saw the lame man's faith and forgave him. The paralytic was blessed beyond measure, whether he could walk or not. For he belonged to God's family, was forgiven, and as a result, eternal salvation awaited him. Now, second, what would have happened if this scenario played out? If Jesus sent the lame man home healed, but not forgiven? Of course, that was what it appeared that he, they were asking for. And he would have gone home rather happy. He probably thought that he was very blessed for being healed and figured he received the best of what Jesus had to offer. That viewpoint is rather common in our day. Many do do not seek to obtain from God forgiveness. Perhaps they figure, I don't need the forgiveness of sins. I already have it. I'm, I have faith. Look, I don't need to be told I'm forgiven all the time. Many think the notion of forgiveness is insignificant compared to the many things people figure they need. Every now and then a stranger swings by our church or gives our church a phone call and they never ask, are you distributing the forgiveness of sins? Instead, these strangers are asking for food or gas or lodging or money. If I told them, I have something greater to offer, you can be forgiven through Christ, they would probably respond saying, but that won't help me fill my tummy or provide lodging for me or help me get to my destination. 
We often look at our immediate needs and neglect our greatest need. That is, we often don't see that our greatest need is the forgiveness of sins. We're so busy focused on what demands our immediate attention that we forget what we should really be focusing on. So this then gets us to our second point. Satisfying our temporal needs should never supersede satisfying our eternal needs. Just because we need something now does not mean that we should forget about the things that are truly needful to obtain eternal life. Jesus, you see, could come back at any time. And he calls on us to be ready at all times, even in those times that we are not expecting him to return. Yet we often take the forgiveness of sins for granted, assuming that everyone has it all the time. We forget that repentance and faith are also required, a required component to forgiveness. So what Jesus sees in this man is his faith, and he forgives the paralytic. Jesus gave to him the greatest gift because, as we testify in the catechism, where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. The gates of heaven are opened to the lame man because he is told that he is forgiven. Should he have died at that very moment, he would have been received into paradise. He was reconciled to God. His sin was replaced with the very righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was seen by his Father in heaven as perfect. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that is how much love Jesus has had on this man, even if he should go home simply forgiven without being healed. Because we can see that the man's sin was removed from him. Such a blessing it is to be forgiven. There's nothing greater. And that's why it is so important that we bring our little ones to the baptismal font and to the church Sunday after Sunday as they grow, no matter how hard it is because of their wiggly ways. And we bring them to Sunday school and to catechism classes But that is also why we do far more teaching of the Christian faith in our homes at the family altar than they receive in their couple of hours in church each Sunday through those daily devotions at home, through those nightly Bible readings, by singing the Christian faith, and by learning the catechism. In all of this, we are directing our children to their Savior, Jesus, who loves them and forgives them. And the third and last scenario I'd like for us to consider is what would have happened if Jesus had given the paralytic two choices and he could have taken one? You can be healed or you can be forgiven. Which do you think he would take? Of course, as we sit in church, we would say, well, of course, he would take the forgiveness of sins because we know with that, then he can go to heaven. But does that match what people often do? When we are offered a healthy snack, when we're not hungry, we don't accept the healthy snack. But if we are then offered junk food when we're not hungry, we open wide our mouths and pile it all in. 
If we're given some nice, if a child is given a nice gift, the child may often have more fun with the box that it came in or the wrapping paper that it was wrapped in than with the gift itself. We can also see what people do when they're given the choice between the forgiveness of sins and other things when based on their own Sunday morning church attendance. If they choose sleep or entertainment, shopping or family or a whole host of other things over going to church, this suggests that they are choosing those things over the forgiveness of sins and their priorities are being revealed. What is truly important is then put on full display. Which then gets us to my third point. There is nothing more important than the forgiveness of sins. While it is good to enjoy the first article gifts that God certainly loves to give to us, like sleep and entertainment, shopping or family, none of those things actually save us. Only Jesus does when he forgives us. The only way to heaven is through Jesus because he alone died on the cross and rose from the grave. As I mentioned last week, we must be perfect to enter into heaven, and this perfection is credited to us by our gracious Savior when he forgives us and replaces our sin with his very righteousness. Jesus does not do this when we simply think or feel the need to have these blessings, but instead God imparts forgiveness to us through the means that he has established when we're brought to the baptismal font and we, are, we die to Christ and rise to newness of life. When the pastor, speaking by the baptismal font, the absolution, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. When the word is preached and read and when we Christians go to the altar to receive the body and blood of Jesus, all of this are the me all of these serve as the means by which Jesus imparts to us his forgiveness this is also the means by which the holy spirit works faith in us which receives the forgiveness of sins and so i want you to know dear brothers and sisters in christ how blessed you truly are for being forgiven by christ for being received into the favor of god for being reconciled to God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus who died and rose for us, and to recognize that heaven awaits you. For the Christian faith is all about Jesus, who forgives you. This is what you truly need, and it is what you receive here Sunday after Sunday. Amen. In the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.